Mm-mm. Yes, Jesus. Mm. God, we thank you for the change. We thank you for your amazing grace that when we were incapable, unable of seeing you for ourselves, when we were oblivious to our sinful conditions, while we were yet in sin, yeah, you died for us. You came for us. You did not leave us to our own inhibitions, God, but you came to give us life, to change us. And God, I'm so glad you changed me, brought me out of darkness into your marvelous light. Gave me a hope and a future. God, grateful for you and your faithfulness on this day. And we just want to honor you, love you so much today, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've already done this day. For breath in our bodies. Yeah, God, an opportunity, Lord, to sing your praises. And God, I, I just remember the saints used to say, if you do not do another thing, God, you've already done enough. And we say thank you. Thank you for your love. Now, God, for the moment of preaching, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart I pray, God, that it will be acceptable in your sight. For, God, you are our strength and our redeemer. We love you, Lord, and give you thanks. And it's in your wonderful, holy, matchless name we do pray. Let every heart say amen. 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 Come on, put your hand together. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, my brothers and sisters, there is a word from the Lord today as we dive into the third installment entitled spring cleaning spring cleaning spring cleaning i'm really excited about that so if you have your bibles today i ask that you open them up to uh, the book of nehemiah chapter 6 uh, beginning at verse 15 and before we get there let me let me cover a little bit more just a little bit of housekeeping that i failed to mention um earlier um just trying to get back to the praise i forgot to update you guys on, on the south wall i know the, the the curtain is still up but i want you to know it's actually complete uh they just have to come back this afternoon and clean and so uh so the wall is completely new it's clean uh they finished up amen they finished up yesterday afternoon, and they'll be back this afternoon to, uh, to clean up their mess. And uh, so then when you show up next week, man, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be beautiful. And um, we're grateful for that as well. Amen. And, and then I, I want to pause and do this for a moment before we dive into the Word. I, I am uh, aware, again, this is one of the things that when you get older, you begin to become more and more cognizant of, that as we celebrate moments like today, uh, we want to also recognize those who are grieving. Yes. 
uh, because though there are those of us who are spending this Mother's Day, some of us for the first time, uh, without their mom, and we want to remember those persons. So if you know someone, if you uh, see someone, that is their experience, make sure you shower them with a little bit of extra love. Um, yeah, because this could be a, a painful day for them. We celebrate moms who are here, yes, but let us not forget about those who suffer in seasons like this. We want to remember them and let them know that we love you. We love them uh, in this time. And um, uh, I've mentioned before that every season provides two things. Uh, it's, uh, it, it provides a season of celebration, uh, but also a time of lamentation. We both celebrate, rejoice, but we also lament, we weep, and we mourn. And um, as good believers, we, we make sure that for our brothers and sisters who mourn, we mourn with them. That's biblical. Um, so that they know that they are not left out. And so uh, if that is you today, uh, whether you're in person or watching virtually, we love you. We are here with you uh, in this season, and we want you to know that we care uh, for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, come on to the book of Nehemiah chapter uh, 6, beginning at verse 15. Well, just verse 15, this is what you'll find. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of the law in 52 days. That's enough. That's enough. Week one of this series, uh, as we're unpacking spring cleaning, we talked about uh, that one of the first steps in spring cleaning is to go room by room to discover the greatest need so that you can tackle it. That large hurdle will provide the victory, the joy for you to move on to the next uh, task. It's, uh, it's important that you tackle what's biggest. You reveal to God your greatest need. God will give you victory over that so that you can move to the next seasons of your life. Last week, we talked about the fact that after you move from room to room, the second step is to uh, make sure that you declutter uh, so that you can make room for what's most important. Man, we live busy lives. And, and, and I mentioned that one of the things that COVID has done for us, it has helped us to discover that some of the things that we pack our calendars with aren't all that important. Uh, what COVID has allowed us to do is to make sure that we prioritize the things that are most important. Family is important. Um, family <laughs> is important. Relationships are important. Time with God is important. Everything else, secondary. Make your relationships, your time with God, your family prioritize those things. Wayne Cordero, great, great preacher uh, actually in Hawaii, he, he says when he puts his calendar together every year, he plans his breaks and his time with his family first. He fills his calendar with his family obligations first. Then he schedules everything else around it. I encourage you to try something similar. Try family first. Make everything else secondary. Room for room, then you not only go room for room, you declutter, you make room so that you can move to the next thing. The, the third thing, and this is something I, we can all relate to, once you go room by room, once you declutter and make room, well, we discovered growing up that spring cleaning is a family affair. It's a team event, right? All hands on deck. Now, to make this clear to you, I've got something, man, that every mother's child, here can relate to. Saturday morning, 
Saturday morning was like Pavlov's dog because you would be awakened by certain music which made you aware Oh, it's time to clean. Come on, come on. I'm going to try to think about those songs. My, my wife will tell you that her grandmother would play the song. She played James Cleveland. Oh, yeah. We've come too far <laughs> from where we started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Amen. Amen. My buddy would say that his mama would say uh, when the music would play, she loved some Luther and Freddie. And her line every Saturday would be, oh, little Luther and Freddie will get you ready. Little Luther and Freddie will get you ready. So you can get up out of bed and let's get to work. Amen. Amen. Turn me down just a little bit, please. Come on, let me hear you. What's, what's some songs, man? Just throw them out here. What's some, what's some songs that you remember growing up that mama would play in the Saturday morning? Clean up, woman. Clean up, woman. Oh, <laughs> Clean up woman. You know, I know my granny, they might have a secondary understanding right there. And a Margaret. <laughs> Come on, what else? What else? What else? Come on. Say it again. Al Green. Yeah, yes. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Yeah, there's only three things for sure. Taxes, death, and you go clean your room. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Huh? All right, all right, all right. I guess that's it. Somebody, did somebody say Tupac? Yakety yak. Don't come back. All right. <laughs> come on, Bishop. Yeah, the old school blues. Come on. Come on. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back out of that room no more until it's clean no more. No more. Yeah. She used to play what? Somebody else's guy. Somebody else's guy. Acting like her mama. Yes, she did. Acting like her mama from clean up woman to somebody else's guy. Y'all hot mess. Yes, y'all are. That is awesome. That's awesome, man. You wake up every morning, man, Saturday morning, man, and that music would let you know, man, that it is time to get together because mama understood, mama taught us that cleaning was a family affair. It's a team event. You pull together because when it comes to doing the deep cleaning in life, the deep cleaning at home, the deep cleaning that relationships require, it is not to be done isolated. Cleaning, spring cleaning. Not a social distancing affair. <laughs> Supersedes pandemics and problems and issues. It's much more than that. It requires for us to pull together as a community because what Mama was ultimately teaching us was this tremendous lesson. And that tremendous lesson is this something amazing, great works can happen when people pull together and work on the same page. I met, I met a young lady met at a conference a couple of years ago. Uh, in her hometown, the city council was meeting to pass this unjust, unfair housing ordinance. It broke her heart because she's an advocate for housing for some of the marginalized in her community. She was upset by it, and so she signed up to go speak at the local city council meeting. She said when she went there, they allot you two minutes to say whatever it is that you have to say. She laid out her case, a very well put together speech to show the injustice of this ordinance that they were about to pass and how it would negatively impact those who would have nothing or have no way of changing this occasion. 
She said she was heartbroken that she stood before the council that they wouldn't even make eye contact with her, that they, they just didn't even look at her. They disregarded her entire statement that she pulled together. All these facts and figures, all this important data to show just how unjust this ordinance would be. It broke her heart, but she didn't give up. She said, I went back at the next council meeting. Said, but this time I did something a little bit different. Rather than gathering stats and data and standing before them with this well-prepared speech, she says, as I had my two minutes, I simply stood before them for two minutes and I prayed for two minutes straight. That's not what's amazing about the story. This time she invited about 30 plus of her friends. Not only did she, but all 30 plus of her friends signed up to have two minutes before the council. And one by one they stood and used their two minutes of speaking and they prayed before the council that God would change their heart for this unjust, unfair ordinance that they were going to pass that would negatively impact the citizens of their community. Can you imagine 30 plus persons going before the council, using all two minutes of their time, praying before the council, that God would touch their cold, cruel, and unjust hearts. And I love it. She says her friend who closed out the prayer, once she got to the end of her prayer, she looked around at everybody and she said, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. The vote happened at that very council meeting. And what began as a unanimous agreement to pass this ordinance, three council persons moved by the prayers of people coming before them said that there was no way that they could pass this ordinance, that something on the inside of them refused to allow them to vote yes for something that would negatively impact people. Something on the inside of them. Because something amazing can happen when people pull together and do something collectively on one accord with one unified heart. God can do some great things. God can do great things through us when we decide to let him work through us collectively. Miracles happen when we do so in one spirit, on one accord. The entire book of Acts, the book of Acts, you'll discover the oneness of the church. Not that there wasn't any trouble, any drama. Early in the story, you see that there was even trouble with the early church in the earliest part of it, but it was always resolved. The miracles happened because the people came together in oneness and discovered, man, there's something powerful that can happen when we're all on one accord. All on one accord. Man, I hold the old pastor say this. Man, it wasn't Bishop. It wasn't me. I just want to let you know what he said. They weren't even talking about New Horizon. Here's what he said, though. He said that over a period of time, man, his members will repeatedly come to him and say, Oh, pastor, man, the devil's busy. The devil's busy. The devil's moving in the church. And so finally, one Sunday morning, tired of hearing this complaint each and every week, he stood before the church and he began his message saying this. Well, it has occurred to me that the devil is busy in the church. What I need to know is which one of y'all brought him with you? Because anytime there's division in the church, usually what happens is there's somebody who came up in here or in there. He wasn't talking about New Horizons. Trust me, I ain't talking about y'all. This ain't a conversation between Bishop and I. We, we, no, we're not having any sidebar. I'm just saying usually in churches, in environments where people come together, normally what happens is the enemy comes because somebody forgot to mention the reality or forgot the reality that you showed up in here not because of you but because of God. Something amazing happens 
when we let God work through us together. This has been the story of the nation of Israel for the entire time, their entire existence up to this point, since its inception. Check this out. Israel was a small nation. There was nothing impressive about them. So much so that when their enemies spoke about Israel, they never spoke about Israel's might. They spoke about Israel's God. Because Israel recognized that they were not strong enough, big enough, bad enough, rich enough to win. But they could win by one reason, one reason alone. And that's because God was on their side. God was on their side because they came together and served God together as a unit. And so when their enemies talked about Israel, they say, man, that's the people who's Jehovah God, the powerful God. God did many things, great things through them. And to give you a little bit of background on a passage, this small and relatively insignificant nation called Israel, they're just now coming out of a major winter season of their existence. They're heading into their spring season. They're coming out of their winter. This extended winter for them lasted, check this out, for 70 years. A 70-year Game of Thrones winter. And winter is on its way. Yeah, 70 years they spent in a winter season. Now, we complain in about 14, 15 months. 70 years, 70 years struggling, suffering under the oppression of the Babylonian rule. 70 years socially distanced, spread out. 70 years that they've been separated, uh, kept away from their homes, from their family. But check this out. Even after the 70 years was complete, it wasn't as though everything was okay. What happened is this, man, uh, Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, they, were, they were eventually taken down by, by King Cyrus and, uh, and the Persian, the Persian Empire. Now, here's what you'll discover. They were, they were, Babylon was conquered. They were no longer under Babylonians or Babylon's rule. They were then up under Persia's rule. God delivered them. But they were not completely free. They were free-ish, you know, kind of like 1619, free-ish. They were, they were free-ish, and now they were up under the rule of the Persian Empire and Cyrus. Now, Cyrus may not have been like Nebuchadnezzar, but it wasn't like Cyrus came and said, hey, listen, I'm going to free all of you all. You're all going to be free to go and do as you will. Cyrus, he was a little bit more just, but he was not freeing them completely. Here's the point to this. Don't let down your guards just because Nebuch Trump's not in the White House. Don't let down your guards because Biden and a brown-skinned sister who went to HBCU by the name of Kamala Harris is in the White House. Just because they're there, we're still free-ish. Just because they're not as unjust as cruel as the previous administration, there's still work that we need to do. And we ought not let our guards down just because we like his policies a little bit better. Baby, until you start talking about reparations, until you cancel, Lord have mercy, my college student loan debt. Get rid of my student loan debt. We got a whole lot to talk about. I'm sorry, that came from my soul. Praise God from whom all blessings flow and multiple student loan payments. Don't let down your guard just because they're nicer. 
Because one of the tools that oppressors use is making it seem as though they are on your side by catering to you a little bit so that you don't know that they're still binding you up. Oh, man. So King Cyrus took over, man. And uh, they, they, they were up under a little bit better of administration right here, still in bondage. But here's what I love about this. That Nehemiah, although he was in the capital city, up under this new administration that was a little bit more just, he heard about the injustice of his homeland. And the Bible says it literally broke his heart and he began weeping. Not yet, not yet. He heard about what was experienced in his hometown and his heart broke and he literally wept for his people. Come here, Senator Tim Scott. Just because you've been blessed to have a perch of privilege in the United States Senate, the audacity and nerve of you not to look at the struggles of your people across this country for you to say that this is not a racist nation. This is, it's, it's baked in the cake. This is a very racist nation and you cannot because you've been afforded the opportunities and abilities to exist in a certain atmosphere and environment dismiss the struggles of the ordinary person on Main Street, on Muhammad Ali Boulevard, on, on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Don't dismiss the struggles of everyday brothers and sisters because you've been blessed and afforded the opportunity to do some things. This is a racist nation. And Tim Scott, you need to take a page out of Nehemiah's book. Nehemiah recognized that although he was blessed to be in the capital city uh, next to the king, next to the greatest administration, what he could not do is turn a deaf ear and a blind eye on the suffering of his people. Nehemiah weeped for his people. His heart broke and he went back home, Tim Scott, to help his people. Tim Scott, you are from a nation that just passed a law, a state that just passed a law to have firing squads to kill people. What you're talking about, this isn't a racist nation. They just said, we will set you before a firing squad. Is this uh, uh, 2021 or is this 1821? <laughs> yeah. Nehemiah goes home, man, and he sees the devastation that's happening to his people. His heart is broken, and he, he prays to God. He fasts, and he prays to God, but this is what he does. He prays for God so that he could be a part of the solution. That's what I want to you for a moment before we get to our, our primary points today. When we pray, we don't just pray for something to randomly happen. We pray asking God, how is it, God, that I can be a part of what you're going to do? God, if there's suffering, God, show me how I can use my gifts to help the suffering, God. If there are issues in my community, show me, God, how I can become a part of the solution within my community, God. If my church has needs, God, show me how I can become a part of the needs of the church, of the needs of the community, God. I I don't just want to sit back and watch things happen, God. I want to be a part of the work. Right. Nehemiah said, man, I asked God, man, listen, my heart is broken. I see what's happening with my people. Send me back home. God, grace me. Send me back home so I can be, become a part of the solution. And God did exactly what he asked, man. Nehemiah gets back to Jerusalem and he sees the devastation of the town. He drives around and he sees that the walls have been all torn down. His heart's broken. He sees the suffering of his people. 
And then I love it. After he inspects the damage, he begins to recruit residents of his homeland. And they begin the work. Work that had been down or needed for 70 years. Nehemiah pulls people together and they complete what's been broken for 70 years in 52 days. 52 days. That's an amazing feat, right? It's all inspiring. So the question is, how did they get it done? How did they do what was broken in 70 years in 52 days? It's not a trick question. I want to tell you. That's why we're here today. They did it together. Together. They did what mama did on Saturday mornings. Let's get up and do this together. How were they able to accomplish so much in such a short amount of time? Together. History has proven to us when people come Together, there's almost nothing they can't accomplish together. Amazing things can happen when they are done together. Together, my brothers and sisters, the nation of Israel to the city of Jericho, which had these huge fortified walls surrounding the city. And rather than having to come out of their own strength together, unified, they marched around the wall and the walls came crumbling down. Together, together Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood against the unjust, unfair practice of Nebuchadnezzar and refused to bow down, went into the fiery furnace, united together, and because of their togetherness, God moved the heat from the fire (laughs) and saved them from the blaze because they did so together. Together, the apostles suffered oppression, suffering, condemnation, death, imprisonment, but they united together to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the only reason that you and I are here collectively, are watching virtually, is because they refused to bow down individually. They came together, and because of them, you and I have everlasting life because they united together. Oh, man, together the citizens of Montgomery in 1955 came together, united, and refused to submit to the unfair practices of the bus system, and they boycotted the bus bus system, tore down an entire system because of their practices, and they were able to change things together. Amazing things happen when they're done together. And for Nehemiah and these people, it was about the rebuilding and repair of the wall. So let me share with you what I believe was behind this amazing act of togetherness. And then let's go and celebrate our mothers. Is it all right? Here's the first thing that I believe what was behind it is that they understood their reason. They understood their reason. Yeah, an amazing work they did, yes, but they didn't just come together to do an amazing work just for the purposes of coming together. They didn't just come together just because coming together was a good thing. Not only did they not just come together just to do an amazing work, they came together uh, or for the purposes of coming together, they also didn't just come together just to do an amazing work. They didn't just show up to do work. They didn't just show up to come together. There was something behind their coming together and something behind the work. Because any time that you just show up just to be together, that's okay. But that's not going to do anything amazing. That's just the situation. 
And any time that you just come together just to do a work, well, that's not going to do anything amazing. That's more of an obligation, coming together, just working together for the purposes of just doing those things never bring you to the point where you need to be. It's just obligation, just doing it just because. That's why I don't believe in making you feel guilty for not showing up for something. I don't want you to be obligated to it because obligation doesn't come from the heart doesn't come from the heart. Obligation, not only does it not come from the heart, it's not even about the person to whom you're doing it for. You make it about you. It should never be about obligation. It should never be about just fellowship. It should be about something greater than this. They came together, man. They came together, and there was unification. There was something, but this work that they did, this coming together, this coming together, united together, doing this amazing work, was not about unification. It was not about obligation. It was rooted in appreciation. Oh, man, it was rooted in appreciation, thinking about the goodness of God, thinking about how great their God was how great their God was. And here's the reality. We just shared the fact that they've been suffering for seven years. They're just coming out of a winter season. And it could be very well and probably understandable if they were just to sit down and grieve and weep because they felt like God had abandoned them. But I love these people right here. Coming out of their 70-year extended winter, they did not sit down and blame God for their suffering. They came together and tried to figure out, God, how can we still yet celebrate you? Because although we may not be where we were 70 years ago, thank you, Lord, that you carried us through these 70 years. You kept us through the winter. You kept us through the Babylonian Empire. You kept us through Trump. You kept us through Obama. You kept us through Bush. You kept us through Clinton, God. You kept us, God, and we're going to celebrate you because you've been faithful from the start. I also love this because they came together. The, the city of Jerusalem was a symbol. It was a symbol not just to the nation of Israel, but a symbol to the outside world of how great the glory of God was. And so when they came together, not for unification or obligation, but for appreciation, they wanted the Lord to know that, hey, God, we still believe in you being a light to the world. We still believe in your goodness. We still believe in your greatness. And we want the world to know, yes, we may have lost our homes. Yes, we may have suffered oppression. But our God is still good. Somebody, man, needs to know, somebody needs to understand your situation right now may not be the best that it had ever been before. It may not be what you hope for. It may not be what you think about all the times. Your bank account may be red on sometimes. You may come down to your last cent on occasion. Your family may be disjointed. There may be problems going on in your life. But trust me, when you live from an attitude and a model of appreciation, not obligation, trust me, God will show up and make a miracle out of your situation. Yeah. I wonder how many people, man, here today are listening virtually, are operating right now out of a spirit of appreciation in your heart. You know that God has kept you. You know that God has been faithful. You know that had God not been here, you don't know where you would be. Yeah. My brothers and sisters, God is our reason. God alone is our reason. And when people can come together with a singular focus about why they collectively come together, man, they can move mountains together when God is our reason. Man, God has to be our reason, church. 
We got to come together, not because of ourselves, not because of a pastor. We got to come together because of God. God has to be our reason, not us, not you, yourself. I love it, man. The second most uh, popular book in all of history. There's only one book that's out, sold this book, and that's the Bible. It's a book by Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Life. Purpose Driven Life begins with this, this wonderful quote. It's not deep, man. Stop sorting your files. Trust me, pull it up on a day-to-day basis. I promise you it'll bless you. That quote is simply this. It's not about you. Go on, download that. <laughs> download that. Yeah, yeah. I just slid in somebody's DM real quick. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. God is our reason. He's the reason why we're here, man. God's not about you. Check this out. Here's what you may not know, man. I am not up here today because of you. I'm up here because of God. I preach for an audience of one. I promise you I do. I promise you I do. And when the praise came and the musicians were there, they were not singing for you or singing about you. They were singing for God. It's about God. And what we do collectively must be about God. It cannot be about It cannot be about our desires, our needs, our hope, or our preferences. It must be about God. Yeah. Man, when people come together and they recognize, man, that it's not about us, that God is our reason, man, trust me, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered to the heart of man the things that we can do, my brothers and sisters, when we make it about God, make it about something bigger than ourselves. That's why, that's why I have always made it a point intentionally that all of our kids participate in team sports. The reason why is because team sports teach a lesson that they need in life. Because when you come together for team sports, you're working together to do something that is bigger than the individual. You come together for a greater vision which helps you in every other aspect of your life. You recognize that sometimes I got to sacrifice me for the plan. Man, listen, that's, t- that's good spiritual development there because sometimes you got to sacrifice your preferences, your desires because you recognize the sacrifice is going to reach somebody who needs to be reached for Christ. You got to give a little so that somebody else can get what they need. Yeah, man. It's not about you. God is our reason. God is our reason. He must remain our reason. Got to go. Got to go. Understood the the second thing is this. They understood their roles. They understood their roles. Team sports. Everybody has a position to play. Every, everybody. I play football. There's 11 men on the field at one time on the same team. But every, every man's job is important and everybody has a role to play. But you've got to recognize that if you get out of position, you hurt the entire team. But if you recognize and you put all of your energy and strength behind the role that you are called to, man, what you can do together as a team, what you can celebrate as a team. Nehemiah notes, man, that there are different teams working on the wall. There were 10 gates that were being rebuilt. And all the 10 gates had a different team of people working on the gates. But there were also separate sections on the wall that were being repaired. And here's what you don't discover in the scripture. You don't see this anywhere. 
You don't see the wall workers mad at the gate builders. You don't see the gate builders angry at the concrete workers. You don't see the masons mad at the carpenters. You don't see any of those things. What you see is the reason why they were able to complete the work in 52 days is because the gate workers, the wall builders, the masons, the contractors, the, 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 uh, the, the carpenters all understood why they were where they were. They understood the reason, but they also understood their role. And they had a role to play. And if they would not have played their role, there's no way they would have accomplished that great feat in the amount of time that they died. Everybody has a role to play, my brothers and sisters. Yeah, and when you are at war, and we are at war, you got to understand we are in spiritual warfare. I know you look on TV, and I know you see what's going on in our communities, and you think that this is about flesh and blood, brothers and sisters. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but about spiritual places and high places. We are wrestling in spiritual warfare. And here's what I've never seen. Bishop, you've been in the military. I have never seen the Navy mad because the Army didn't get on the sea enough. I've never seen the Air Force mad because the Marines didn't fly enough. What I've recognized is that in order to win a war, in order to win a battle, everybody appreciates the specialty that you bring to the table. And here's what I need you to know, my brothers and sisters. There's something unique that God has given each and every one of you. There's some gift that God has called you to. There's something that you have been uniquely designed for, uniquely created for, and we are at our best when we recognize it does not matter where you're from, whether you're standing at the door or standing in the pulpit, all of our roles are equally as valuable in this war that we're fighting. Whether you pray out loud or you pray in your closet, all of us have a job to do, and we must understand our role. Yeah. Understand your role and understand that your role is significant. You are all essential workers to the kingdom of God. Yeah. If we're going to see things change, you got to recognize you are essential. You ain't, you ain't got to be able to touch a mic. You ain't got to be able to, to, to sing out loud or sing low. You, you ain't got to be able to work technology. You ain't got to be able to do any of that stuff. You just got to be willing to let God use you wherever you are. And when God uses you, what you got to do is commit to however God is using you, doing it your very best, giving God your best. Baby, if you're going to mop the floors, man, mop the floors as if the floors ain't never been mopped before. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me mop this floors. If you're going to punch keys, punch keys, like keys ain't never been punched before. I will punch keys into the Lord for the best that I can. Whatever you do, you do it with the strength that you can, giving God your best and recognize you are significant for what you do. Yeah. You're significant and there's no difference between those who lead and those who are lay leaders. Yeah. There's no difference between those in the pulpit and those in the seats. We're all the same. Let there be no separation. If the kingdom is going to advance, if the work is going to advance, if the war is going to be won, we got to recognize we are all on the same plateau. We are all on the same platform. We are all working collectively together to get there. There's no levels on the field. There's no levels on the basketball court. We are all together. We must be one together. It's all through the Bible. Oneness is all through the Bible that we come together. Paul talks about it when he talks about the body of Christ. Paul says that we are all as one body. 
We must all come together as one body, unified, moving together and appreciating one another in that work. We are all together in this. Paul says, hey, listen, not only that, when we come together as one, that's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor black nor white nor gay nor straight. All of us are one in Christ Jesus. Oneness comes. And when we allow the world and the enemy to separate us in divisions and keep us uh, separated from one another, we allow for him to advance on God's kingdom. We come together as one, playing our roles. Playing our roles. It don't matter your role. Baby, you were created for it. Do it well. I don't care what you do. Just do it well. Do it with all your strength, with all your power. Celebrate God for it. Oh, the best that you can. They understood the reason why they came together. They understood the role that they had to play. And then lastly this, they understood the risk. They understood the risk. For the entire 52 days that they were working, there were enemies on the outskirts antagonizing them the entire way. Three in particular, it was more than that, but three names that we see on a regular basis. Sanballat, Tobias, and Amnon, the entire time, trying to get them to stop the work, spreading false lies about them, trying to discourage them from the work. And here's what I love about Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't stop to go live to talk about his haters. Nope. Nehemiah didn't post a whole lot of memes showing how people are hating on him. He didn't do none of that. Nehemiah wasn't trying to rally people on his side. Nehemiah said, listen, I got too much work to do. I can't come down for you. He understood the risk. And the risk is that there could possibly potentially be trouble. But in understanding the risk, he recognized the reward was greater than the risk. And sometimes in this work, what we're committed to, sometimes in our lives, you got to look at the reward before you look at the risk. As a matter of fact, you got to see the reward through the risk. Through every heartache, through every hardship, through every problem, through every lie, through every backstabbing, you got to see what you're working towards. You got to see the reward through the risk. There's tremendous challenges in front of them, behind them, all around them. And whenever you're committing yourself, brothers and sisters, to a great work, you got to recognize there's going to be great challenges. And if you're not facing great challenges, chances are you haven't committed yourself to a great work. Old school saints used to say it like this, for every level there's a, yeah, there's a different devil. When you're committed to great work, it's always going to be great opposition. But you got to see the reward through the risk. You got to see that the risk is worth the reward. Um, great movie, great movie that's out. Judas and the Black Messiah. Lo- love the movie. If you haven't seen it, to see it, man, wonderful movie about the Black Panther Party. And uh, it highlights the life of a young man, Fred Hampton in Chicago, leader of the Black Panther Party. Murdered at 21, led a great movement in a great city at the age of 20 and 21, died at 21 years old at the hands of unfair, unjust law practices. 
It also highlights the work of one of the most cruel, evil, vile human beings in the history of America, J. Edgar Hoover. There's a special place in hell for J. Edgar Hoover. I said it and I won't take it back. J. Edgar Hoover said this. It wasn't about the Black Panthers carrying weapons that made them fear the Panthers to shut them down. It wasn't about them feeding poor children that made them shut them down. It wasn't about them educating poor kids that made them shut them down. It wasn't about the breakfast plans, the schools the law defenses that they were helping. It wasn't about the community development they were putting together. Here was the problem. The reason they tackled the Black Panthers so hard is because the Black Panthers was doing an amazing job pulling oppressed people from all walks of life, of every race and nationality and socioeconomic status, pulling them together. And because of that, Hoover said, they are the greatest risk to the United States. Not Russia, not Cuba, not, in, not China, not in. the Black Panthers, because they were uniting people together. And because they were fearful of what they could do when people come together, Hoover said, we got to take them out. The enemy knows what we can do when we work together. And the only reason there's drama up in the church at times, the only reason that there's problems in the community is because the enemy don't want us to come together. The enemy don't want us to be unified. The enemy wants us to be divided so that he can take us out. But my brothers and sisters, when we understand our reason, when we understand the reason that we are together is not for our own selves, but it's for God and God alone. When we understand that God has called us to the table, that God has called us to this church, and that God has given us the gifts within our bodies, when we understand that God is our reason, he is our reason alone, oh my goodness, what can we do? But not only when we understand our reason, my brothers and sisters, when we understand our role. When we understand that however you were created, whatever gift you got in your body, whatever gift God is placing you, man, God has done a great thing on the inside of you. And the only thing God wants you to know is that if you take your gift and make God hit your reason with your gift, that God can do something amazing when you commit your role to him, when you commit your gift to him, whatever you got, whether it's your hands, your toes, your feet, your voice, your eyes, your sight, your mind, whatever it is that you got, commit your ways to him. Understand that you were created for a purpose, for God's design to use you for something amazing. Man, when you understand God's your reason... <laughs> and you understand your role, man, God can do something great. Oh, but my brothers and sisters, after you figure out the reason, and after you determine your role, that you know you got a role to play, and you can look through your risk and see God's reward. Oh, man. What a change. What an amazing work we can do. What walls we can tear down. What walls we can rebuild and repair. What families we can bring to Christ. <laughs> we can pack out this church. Oh man, we can feed our community. We can put poor people in homes. We can make a change in our land. When we decide to come together for a reason that's bigger than us, when we make God our reason, know our role, and see the reward through our risk, how amazing it can be.
how amazing it will be. I'm a little happy, but I'm calming myself down because we need to go celebrate our moms today. Come together. Know if there's division. See and understand the spiritual implications in it. Know the devil's a liar. For every negative gossiping spirit, for every petty offense, no, he's just trying to separate us so that we can't move forward in God. But see no limits. And when we're united, see the dreams and the possibilities when we come together. And know that you were meant to be here. Know that you were chosen to be here. Mm. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that Your word penetrates the depth of our hearts. God, that we we can move beyond the barriers, Lord, to try to keep us divided. God, we can see the reward of what you want to do when we come together. What we can do. What a time. God, let us not come together for the reasons of just coming together. Let unity not be our purpose. Lord, let obligation not be our reason. But for your goodness and your mercy toward us. May we commit our ways to you. Always. God, I pray that you birth a big dream in our hearts. A dream, God, that is impossible to do without you. A dream that would transform our entire imagination. that we don't even have the capacity to ask. We just got to trust you for the ride. Move, Jesus, in and through us all. God, that we experience you more. We'll forever give you thanks and praise. We love you, Lord, this day. Let every heart say amen and amen.